welcome to Houndsy, the Steel Army podcast. I'm Dan Yost, and with me tonight to break down a 4-1 win at home against uh, a pretty shitty Vegas Lights team, and more importantly, to look forward to a pretty exciting Open Cup tie against the old Columbus crew of Major League Soccer, which is only in, well, at this point, for when we record, we will be in the extra 30 minutes that that game is going to clearly go to. So to break all that down, I got a full virtual studio here. First off, Ariana, what's good? Uh, nothing much. Uh, oh, nope, that's not the way I wanted to answer the question. All right, um, let's try again. Ariana, what's up? <laughs> Everything's good. Um, figured I could give an update on the shed cats that I discovered. Yes, please. Uh, they are all healthy and doing great. Um, and I'm slowly convincing mom to to trust me. So um, there may or may not be some kittens in some friends' futures uh, coming shortly. So <laughs> someone on Twitter said you should bring the, the kittens to the game, which seems like a terrible uh, idea. But I just want to I let mean, someone someone is throwing out there. I'll just put <laughs> it that much. I'm here for it. Nice. Got a Vesti here as well. Vesti, uh, you were there with uh, with your little one on on Saturday. Um, how'd that work out? Oh, you know, if I make it to halftime, I think it's a good evening. So, uh, yeah, he's he's five, so he's not really. He's still like, you know, can't sit still and bounce all over the place and join the party. <laughs> hey, uh, for, for the vid that we were in the supporters section, he was having a blast. Uh, he didn't quite know what was going on, but anytime people were yelling, he started yelling, clap when people clap. I mean, he's basically fitting in then. I mean, I should just have him hold my beer and you wouldn't you know, tell the difference. Yeah. Don't know what's going on. People clap, start clapping. It's, I mean, you know, when you're scoring goals in the first half, it's, uh, it's not uh, not the worst time to be had. No, yeah, I, you know, without getting too much into game discussion, I figured this wasn't going to be much of a contest, so uh, I did not mind if I had to miss a bunch of it because so my you, kid wanted to bail early. You weren't feeling the uh, the trap game vibes. No. Oh, okay, you're a better man than me. Usually we're in sync, but this time we aren't. Or weren't. I, I I wish I would have been with you uh, for financial reasons. Seth, what's up, man? Just sitting here admiring the awesome job I did on the lawn last night. Oh, so it's, this is a porch uh, night? Oh, uh, we're yeah, we're porch nighting for the foreseeable future. Um, it's porch night season. It is. It is porch night season. Look, my, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna brag. My grass looks like it's like ready to host like the Champions League final on it right now. I like mowed a pattern into it. Mulched everything up real nice. It looks really good. Ooh. So, yeah. You were you were just embracing cool. your dadness, aren't you? Oh, absolutely. Nice. I still I I still haven't got to like the Nike Air Monarchs Air Monarchs yet, um, but I do rock Hey Dudes more than I'd like to admit at this point. So I feel like I'm only a matter of moments away from starting wearing like cargo shorts and things like that. So mm-hmm. I need to get I need I need to get a uh, belt clip. Belt clip holder for the phone. This was Seth five years ago. This is Seth now. What changed? A child. A child. Fatherhood. Homeownership. Seriously. Yeah. But no, everything's good. Exciting week. Nice. Uh, someone who is not a dad, uh, at least as best the government knows. Yak, what up? Oh, we were close. We were uh, sinning hardcore this weekend. I'm doing a little detox cleanse right now with some chamomile tea at this late night hour is this is this in recovery from last weekend or prep for wednesday night or both both i was at the um millville music festival oh this weekend which is like my favorite night on the town in pittsburgh and you're paying for it this week or the first two days this week yeah, Sunday wasn't spectacular. Monday was better. I left the game on Saturday with I made one of the worst headaches I've ever had, and I didn't drink enough to justify it. So I don't know what the hell that was about. But 
Yeah, you this weekend. It is yeah. Monday. Me too. Yeah, I was. I was so sore when I got home. Ugh. I mean, I could barely keep my eyes on the road driving back just because, like, it was hurting that much that I was like putting one hand on the back of my head and just trying to rip it apart. So, great times, for sure. And we were doing our damnedest to uh, to get this under an hour by having the intros go till five and a half minutes. So, sweet. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about Vegas, eh? Uh, at least the Las Vegas Lights as they come to Pittsburgh and play the Riverhounds and get their ass beat four to one, revenging mm-hmm. for for last last year's no show of a performance in Vegas uh, that uh, I remember all too well, and I'm sure Yak does as well. Uh, in, in an attempt to keep this uh, somewhat brief, uh, all the fine people on this on this call on this Zoom call have. Giving us one note or so about about the game that they like to share with the uh, with the classroom, and uh, we are going to start with uh, Yak. Yak, what do you want to talk about this game? Two things. One, I watched the game instead of being at the game, and Corey Hertzog <sighs> was the color guy, and he's real bad. <laughs> I mean, um, when you say like bad, in what way? He's just so dry and is not analyzing anything. He's just like, it looks like he's reading a script as the ball just kind of pings around the field or something. It's, it's just rough. So is he just stating the obvious as as his analysis or he just he doesn't add anything at all? Correct. That's a shame. Well, I mean, it's quite hard talk, so what can I say? Um, I got some stats that kind of show how the Hounds did well. Um, Jules, 55-45%. Hounds won that. Crosses, you'll like this, Yost, 11-12. to 12. Remember the days where the Hounds would have like 30 and then connect on like three? I, I remember those days all too well because I was They're adding about lots of variety, and they're at 11 crosses, which they're hit they're clipping at above a 25% rate, which is really, really good. Well, let's, let's stop right there. I mean, sure. let's drag this out. Why the change? Because I have an idea. Uh, I think the midfield is allowing is, is allowing the play go through the mid through the center of the field as opposed to just the whole way down the wings until the very end of the field. And, Additionally, and why is that? Why is that change? Balls. You you can say his name. It's Danny Griffin. It, 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 his name is <laughs> Mr. Daniel Griffin Esquire. The third. Sorry, you go on. I just wanted to, because I've been thinking about that for a lot too, but yes, go on. Um, and the Hounds had a very, very high tackle rate percentage, 66, which is, you know, if you're above 50, you're kicking some ass on D. So good stuff from the Hounds all over the place. La Magnifique. Just a tap. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Vesti, you said you didn't have anything to say, but we're asking anyways. What's your takeaway from this game? Well, for technical difficulties, I missed the pre-show discussion, so I hope I'm not stealing anybody's thing. Uh, I can't hope you are for the chaos. (laughs) (laughs) Nah, so since I had had one eye on a kid and one eye on the game, I, you know, had kind of going off the vibes check again this week. Than anything in specifics, uh, like Yak with the stats. But I gotta say, who's um, got some good vibes right now is one Mr. Arturo Ordonez. Uh, he was a bit of the punching bag early in the season in the Discord. Um, people, you know, really getting on him for making defensive mistakes. But I think he's had a solid, he's had a solid game, and also got his first goal of the season. In the last few games, he's been playing uh, very well. No, it's definitely cleaned up. In that that near post running man on the corner, uh, on the the corner for his goal. I don't. If any, anyone here listened to his post game comments, because um, they had they had Bob, they had him, and they had uh, Kizza for the post game. Basically, just crediting. Uh, he knows where Canarder likes to put that ball. He kind of gave him a little, like a head nod, like make that run, and he he saw a little weak, like a soft spot in the. Uh, in the defensive formation, and I mean, shit, he put that in on, on a pretty tight angle. So, more of that, please. Both header goals were solid 
fuck you headers. Indeed, man. Indeed. Uh, let's take it over to let's take it over to Seth. What's what's your what's your your profound statement you want to make about this game? I believe my assignment for this uh, section was uh, Las Vegas sucks. <laughs> and there was an expletive had... the first time you said it. Uh, Las Vegas fucking sucks. There it is. If I had to draw a correlation to a place in Vegas to compare this team to right now, I'd say they're probably like staying at the Flamingo. Um, pretty damn bad. Uh, the, uh, mob rating has them like third worst in the league, which honestly kind of surprises me that they're not dead last uh, based on the way they've been performing. I know they've kind of played well, on the road as far as like stealing a point uh and i think five of their six or seven matches they've played on the road so far this year i don't know how in the hell they've managed that because there it was like the whole like poke it with a stick do something meme the entire game uh i know the discord chat was having a lot of fun at their expense based on some things um the late goal uh, the announcers um, kind of made a point that it was almost like the guy who wound up scoring it didn't even realize what he was doing. It was just like he was almost, it was almost like a self-defense action more than a goal scoring action. Uh, it was, so yeah, I did not see anything and I know they're under a new manager this year and I was sitting new, there new thinking, old, new like, old manager. New old manager, yeah. I was sitting there literally thinking, like, are we going to put the nail in this guy's second tenure here? Um, because it, they just, they were not, like, I was so unworried about the second half. Like, I called my best friend and just had it on the game on mute and was just, like, bullshitting with him throughout it. Because that's, like, how little I, concern I had at that point in the game. Because... I didn't see anything from Las Vegas that said, like, this team's going to go out and score one on us. Now, I will say, last 20, I don't know if this was uh, why the Hounds did this. I know Bob and his postgame presser kind of talked negatively about this, but they did get a lot of opportunity because they were holding the ball in their offensive side, their offensive zone a little bit more. Because um, so it kind of seemed like the Hounds had kind of packed it in at that point, rightfully so, being up 4-0. Uh, but that was really the only any like sort of life that they had the entire match was once the Hounds had pretty much uh, probably started discussing what their post-game activities were going to be. Yeah, and that's, I mean, th- that kind of takes me into to what I was going to bring about was the, the goal against. Um, as crazy it is, the one game that the Hounds have really completely killed out with a lead has been was the fucking New England game. I mean, outside of that, it's like they're loving the the the, the late goals against. I get what you're talking about there. You're, everyone kind of turning off for the last twenty minutes, but I mean, it's it's a little bit concerning that that they're kind of getting that way. It it killed them twice in Indy, killed them in in Monterey, uh, turning what should have been wins in the in draws. Um, I so I, I I guess slightly concerned. About not, you know, putting the knife in and, and cutting them deep and, and taking the clean sheet. If anyone noticed, uh, I mean, Jamali was a a little bit beside himself. Uh, the goal against, uh, he did a lot. He was kind of on the ground fair for a while, not happy about it. And again, on his part, I don't know what, the, what more he's supposed to do. It's a it's a goofy, yeah, de- defensive posture deflection to put this ball in. Um, I mean, to the point that uh, John Bush, who I still can't believe we actually have on the coaching staff, as soon as the final whistle uh, happens, he runs out there to, to talk to him because Jamali is clearly either, I'm not sure if it's upset or pissed or a combination of two, but he was, I mean, not his normal jovial self for just having a, a three-goal margin of victory. So I am slightly concerned about the frequency of conceding goals in the last 15 minutes. Uh, it's easier to accept when, you know, you give up one when you're leaning four, but based on 
the number of points that have been dropped in these late goals that just they got to find a way to tighten it up and, and maintain that focus going into the last 10, 15 minutes. And I mean, something we've all noticed here is how deep this bench is now that there should be guys coming off the bench, not just to see out minutes, but to actually kind of do a job and, and keep the clean sheet. No one's got, no one's going to go with me on that or I, nope. no, no, so I, I wasn't there, but I'm, I'll say this about Jamali. I think that kind of speaks to the competitor that he is. Um, and I think when you're in that type of a situation, you, I think you do spin it to the mentality of, like you mentioned, you have it happen in Indy, you had it happen in Monterey Bay. What if that was a 1-0 game at that point? Now you're in the same situation again. So I, I think the frustration probably is warranted from Jamali that, yeah, it, it is a different circumstance because they were up 4-0. But at the same time, if that was a different game, that that hurts you. That's two drop points against the one of the weakest teams in the league. Uh, so I, I do think that if that's probably a better tale of what Jamali is bringing to the table, then he just was laughing it off. I, yeah, it was hard to see Jamali after the game because you could tell he was really, he was really upset at it, which makes me think that it's not just like he, he sees what we see, um, these late goals and he's really frustrated with himself, which I don't necessarily think is helping. I think then he's getting a lot in his head, especially in the final minutes there. Um, but to have the goalkeeping coach that we have, I think is is really fantastic for Jamali to not only learn from in good situations, but also learn from in a situation like this, where he can give all the advice that he has. So he can, you know, help Jamali kind of come out of this. But you're absolutely right. If we weren't up four, it would have stung a lot more. Um, and I mean, it stung in general just because we couldn't keep a clean sheet. But I think that Jamali is also, you know, kicking himself about it. It doesn't help that last week there was also one that he was more than likely kicking himself out about. So it just kind of compounds for him. Um, he needs to just get out of his head. Focus. Yeah, I get it. to me, it's, it's almost, I mean, it's frustrating, but it's also comical that the, the one game that they absolutely saw out completely was that New England game, which, you know. If, if, you're, if you're going to choose one to do it, I guess that's the one to do it with. Mm. Yeah. Do you want to credit the Birmingham game at all? In terms of? Closing out the game. That's true. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because, I mean, they, they, yeah. No, you're right. I kind of was putting that to the side, and un, unnecessarily so. That's fair. Uh, since I was taking this, this, this room down a little bit, uh, Ariana, bring the vibes back up with your takeaway from Vegas. <laughs> My biggest takeaway is uh, what position does Langston Blackstock actually play? I think we've seen him play every position besides the goalkeeper on the field. And he even started as a defender this game, which according to my stat sheet, he is listed as a forward. Um, is this Bob, uh, you know, seeing a defender where a defender hasn't been seen before? Or, you know, or is he just like, you know, you suck at forward, so let's try you somewhere else. Uh, Bob really likes his defenders, so um, I feel like if, if Langston's getting minutes as defenders, as, as a defender, he's, um, you know, caught the attention of Bob, which I think is a, a huge compliment to his playing ability. Uh, but I don't know. <laughs> what what position, when it comes to our, our voting uh, at the end of the year for, for Steel Army Player of the Year and, and everything that goes with that, what position does he get put in for? Defender of the Year? Forward of the Year? Hell, Midfielder of the Year? I mean, it's hard to to pinpoint just exactly where that kid plays on the field. 
and I think it's hilarious. Well, I think he's still listed as a forward on the the USL website, mm-hmm. which and and Vesti, correct me if I'm wrong. That is the that's a t- determining factor for how you get slotted for Player of the Year. That Riverhounds website, whatever I'm feeling like. <laughs> I mean, they all list but, him as a forward. And dude, there go, dude ain't seen any minutes as a forward. <laughs> no. He's been. I mean, he's he's been outside back. He's been a center. Was he a center back at some point? Uh, he's played up I've, on the wing. I, I, yeah, it's. I, I, I mean, he's been the left back and a right back at some point as well. Yeah, I mean, good for him. Uh, I give him credit for. Oh well, Fat Mob lists him as a left back, so <laughs> someone's picking up on it. And it's probably made determine on what they have written down as the most minutes he's played at. So, yeah, shit. that's wild. I mean, but I, does anyone have a insight on on the the curious case of Langston Blackstock and his positional flexibility? Is this to steal a Tomlinism? Is this? I mean, look, I'll throw it out there. Is is he the secret weapon that we all, or at least Bob, always wants to have? You know, is he the secret sauce this year? The secret weapon, TM. Mm-hmm. No one's stepping up to, to claim this at all? No? <laughs> all right. Okay. Here we go. So my thought is in the five-back system, your wing-backs defensively don't have to be as sound as in the four-back system because they're probably less worried about you – have, you have three center backs to help you defensively if somebody beats you inside. I think he has explosive speed outside that helps out really great – offensively um, and I think because he is more skilled on the offensive side what he gives you when he pushes up is more it, it be, really becomes like the seventh eighth attacker forward on a lot of runs and I think that's re- I think at this point Bob is valuing that more than needing five out and out defenders across the back line So I mean, here's do do you think Bob saw this when the guy was in trial and thought I can do this with this guy, or saw something on tape, or is this something that potentially he this just became apparent as the season came about? Like was, was he signed with this in mind, or because I'd be curious if, if just Bob is just being a a fucking genius here and just saw the potential. I I mean. If he if uh, if we would have signed him, I mean I, I just don't like we we could sign him. I assume is any position that Bob wants him to play. So he maybe he was signed as a defender or as a forward, and then in the first couple of minutes he was able to get Bob was like, yeah, this isn't gonna work. Well, I mean, did he did he actually play as a forward like outright forward at any point, or is he? Um, I'm checking my stats. He, he they have him as a ta- as an attacking midfielder on on some games. So I I assume that he played at least forward. It's hard to judge on Fat Mob, but I'm just trying to think of that um, first substitution appearance made who he came in for, and I, it's blanking me right now. It was. Oh, you have it in front of you. Yeah, I just have to figure out how to if I want to do the math. Um, he came in and. The seventy seventh minute in the first game—that was the third game into the season—and it looks like Junior Eto came out then. Yeah, so it's probably as like, did, like an attacking midfielder type of position. Yeah, as did Danny Roviera, who—that's who Rov. I've—I discovered this weekend. I've been saying his name wrong the whole time. Roviera. Yeah, Rovera. I've been adding another. I've been adding another I in his name <laughs> completely yeah, on that. accident. <laughs> Sorry, Danny. <laughs> um, so either, yeah, Danny or Junior, who are both listed as midfield, and Danny has, like, a defensive midfield. Well, so. yeah, Danny was kind of playing back there to start a bit. He was, like, a right back. Um, but I'm pretty sure he went in for Junior in that game. Uh, anyone else want to step up to the plate and break down their thoughts on a Blackstock or, or – Basically, anyone on this roster, how it's been used so far, now that we're 11 games in. All right, beautiful. Love it. <laughs> um, 
we do need to look a little bit at the lineup this game, um, mainly because it's going to impact what we want to talk about next, which is this Open Cup game you you may have heard about. That's maybe that's coming down Wednesday night. Uh, the lineup was was waiting at, which was the shock to me. I, the, I mean, if you listened last week, I was I would put money on that being a Christian Garner game, but not to be. Uh, so you had wait, you had. Uh, Laser, Hogan, Ordonez, Dos Santos, the aforementioned Blackstock along the back there. Forbes Griffin, Junior Eto making his first start after screwing up his arm. Uh, Eddie Kizza having his hell of a day. And then Dequa up top. On the bench was Riot, uh, Tola, Robbie Mertz, you know, uh, Marky Berra, DeShields, and then Garner and Biasi were the unused subs. So... Yak, based on who started, who had to come off the bench, uh, and then who who did not even make the 18, and Bob saying in his post-game comments that guys who did not see the field that weekend are most likely going to be involved on Wednesday night. What were your thoughts on that lineup in terms of trying to find rotation between league and a pretty big Open Cup game? I think it was done very well. Um, aside from it was, I'm trying to put together the what I think is going to be the starting lineup on Wednesday, and because he's uh, played the whole game, and Blackstock I think also played the whole game or played most of it at least. I don't know who they're going to put the second forward as, um, assuming Dequa is going to be front and center normally, um, but I, I think. I, I have a decent idea as to the balance as to who's going to play on Wednesday, who's going to come off the bench, and you know who's who's going to get who's going to be trying to get that fresh subs in the final half hour of the game. Do you think there was anyone who was not in the eighteen on Saturday that will actually start on Wednesday? Luke Biasi, I think, is going to start out wide. Facts. That's actually pretty good. That's a good call. So, um, for context, Tony Lopez. Anders Bordoy, uh, DZ Harmon, uh, Joe Farrell, and Ilal Usmanu were our non-18. Okay. I think Joe Farrell would start. I have DZ Harmon written down, too, but I'm not happy about it because I think him and Biasi play the same side typically when he's out wide, but I don't remember for sure. Seth, you want to take a crack at this, or...? So, I my original thought when I was thinking about Wednesday night was that I think you maybe see the Hound switch back to the four back uh, with, like, the two holding mids. And I think that's probably Junior and Mark Ibarra. And the reason why is Bob really talked at length about how you saw New England play very wide, trying to kind of beat you with speed outside and then get a cross in to their kind of big banging strikers. He Then to the complete contrary, he talked that Columbus is more of a tic-tac-toe play through the middle. So I think by adding more into the midfield gives you a better chance to match up defensively, and it also puts more people into those middle spaces that they're probably going to try to exploit. Um, so... As far as that goes, I'm I'm wondering if uh, DeShields is maybe the uh, the cup solution this year as far as somebody that didn't play on uh, – or I guess he did play Saturday. Came in for like, uh, but minimal, well, like five minimal minutes. minutes. Yeah, like five minutes. Yeah, it minutes. was real late. Clean up job. I'm, I'm, wondering, I'm wondering if uh, he's potentially another one that sees time uh, in the Open Cup. Hmm. Huh. I mean, that'd be a, a little bit of a surprise, but I mean, it, it, Bob's been for as weird as the lineups were a lot at the end of or the beginning of last year, and then they got pretty predictable. This, I mean, just getting guys from from off the eighteen to starting, and you know, vice versa. It's, it, I don't know. It's it's fun-ish to look at your phone at 6 o'clock and go, what the fuck are we going to see here? 
Yeah. It's it's hard to choose. Nobody's playing poorly. There's there's more than eighteen dudes that I'm I'm content putting out on on the lineup for Wednesday. It, it's it's tricky I, trying to make a choice here. I was going to save the question for a future episode, and I, well, I'll just throw it out there now. We don't have to answer it, but I mean, is this is this the literally the the, the deepest team Bob's had since he's been in Pittsburgh? Don't answer it. We'll just save it for for a while. But because I mean, it's it's in the discussion at least. Uh, I think it's I think it's funny like we complained first four weeks of the season that this is so unbob like you've seen that you know you were seeing the same 11 week in and week out and now to Yak's point it's like there's 21 guys that you could see in the 18 and you could make a couple different 11s out of that those groupings and uh, it's like Bob took his usual like first five game mentality and is now applying it a little bit later in, and it's definitely, I don't know, it's it's definitely a nice problem to have. I'm not going to complain that like we're sitting here after eleven league matches and two Open Cup matches and we're not able to like say that. Oh yeah, if we're going out up against the MLS team, this is the eleven I want. Like, I think that's a hell of a problem to have. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's guys legitimately fighting in practice for 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 minutes and hell, even for spots on the bench at this point. I mean, you you got to the end of last year, you knew you knew what your eighteen was. There was guys who were clearly in and guys who were clearly out. So outside of injury, it wasn't changing. Now you have guys. Fighting not just for for a starting job, but even just to make the bench. It's 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 wild. Uh, let's discuss. I mean, let's go. Let's talk about the the, the general overview. Wednesday night, seven p.m. at Highmark Stadium. The Columbus Crew coming coming to town in the round of sixteen to to face the Hounds. Uh, word on the street is six thousand plus packing in the Highmark. Which I'll be curious how that works out. Uh, I would suggest to everyone have your have as much food and drink as you can before you go in there because I don't know if I'd want to be in any any of those lines because it has never been tested to that degree. I I mean maybe a concert or something like that, but uh, that might be a challenge. Although the bathroom situation might be resolved a little bit, we'll we'll talk to that uh, in a moment. Vesti. You've watched this team longer than anyone else in this conversation. Is this a top 10, top 5, top... Where in the top whatever is this uh, in terms of, of, of an important game for the Hounds as a club? Oh, I'd say it's probably... I'd maybe put it at 3. Like, I think some of those playoff games, like the first, the 2019 first playoff game... And then, um, I guess the whole 2019 season, <laughs> to be honest, I, I think those gains were real big, um, getting the club, um, a lot of positive momentum that we're still seeing. Um, we, you know, they announced a more than capacity sellout for Saturday. Like they announced like 5,100, I think. Yeah. 51 change. Yes. And third sellout in a row, which we never usually see sellouts. Uh, this early in the season, that's usually a midsummer thing. So if we're already, you know, we got a lot of people coming, we got this big match, we're going to pack even more people in, apparently. It's going to definitely get a lot of eyes on the team around the city. Um, but I don't feel like, like when, when we hosted MLS in 2015, that was the big ticket, the big ticket thing, the, the, the big attention thing to get people to notice the club since we were still relatively new in, in the downtown scene at that point. But I don't necessarily think we need that as a club at this point, although it's not going to hurt by any means. But, you know, still a big game, though. Seth, do you have any any historical context you want to add to that or agreeing with what Vessi's throwing out there? So I'm going to say this is the third. I'm going to say... Uh, the oh, you already have 19... the, the straight hierarchy here. Yeah, I was thinking about when Vesti was talking. I, I think the uh, Eastern Conference semifinal against Louisville in 19 is one. 
I think the second one was the Beth Steele home playoff match in 18. And I think this is definitely number three as far as it goes. I was I was honestly thinking about this uh, a little bit earlier today. I was trying to almost like maybe over romanticize this a little bit, but I was I was almost like having the notion like, is this the biggest game for Bob Lilly as the manager? Um, I don't think I'm quite there with it. It obviously has the potential to be the biggest win in Hounds history. Um, you know, thinking back to 15, that was really like the jump off point for me of my Hounds fandom. Um, being in that crowd that night was absolutely ridiculous. Um, and was like you said, get your food and beverages uh, early because I think back then, you know, like the concession stand by us, the line was pretty much well down to the main stands for pretty much all the game. Um, and they obviously now they have a little bit extra uh, vendor capacity around there. So hopefully that helps out with it a little bit. Um, but no, I, I think there, I think the hype is definitely real when it comes to this match. I mean, the, the hype is real. I think for the club, this could be huge, massive. I don't, th- the game itself, I, I, you know, I mean, obviously if they win, that changes everything, but it, I mean, I'll just the attention is going to be massive, but I I still think Bob, in terms of where his focus is on the season, is still going to be firmly in the league, and, and you know unless they you know make a I, mean, that, I don't know that's see it's I keep going back and forth here. If they somehow make it to make it to the quarterfinals, is also everything changes you know. Do you have to make it to the to the semis, and then the perspective really changes? Like, I I don't think the focus changes too much yet. Is it you know the around or around after that? Uh, but clearly, for the club's objectives in terms of viability and and visibility in the in the city, this is this is jai fucking enormous. If we're talking six thousand people coming in there. KDK is putting the game on on the CW. They're actually, you know, because uh, those those midweek dates have usually been um, untouchable in terms of of programming for when you're when they have the CW contracts. So the fact that game's going on there is is something that should be eye opening. That that they're willing to make that. I don't know if it's investment or or to break the contract or whatever. I mean. They're they're gonna be getting a lot of phone calls of people pissed off that whatever's supposed to be on Wednesday nights on the CW ain't on. So, as someone who worked uh, in local news when things were preempted, there will be phone calls, there will be emails. Uh, so yeah, I I think for the team on the team side, not the biggest game. From the club side, this might be number one, or at least at least number one in the Highmark era. I'll put it that way. Uh, Yak, you were on the assignment of scouting Columbus, who played this past weekend against Cincinnati, what the injury report looks like. Uh, what were you able to dig up? So the Columbus crew, in the middle of fixture hell, by the way, this is their third week in a row of four of which they'll be playing a midweek match and a Saturday night match. They are in the thick of tough shit right now, Um, including having just playing their arch rival Cincinnati on the road on Saturday and suffering a late goal defeat. Columbus's attention might not be on ours. Um, I wanted to start off with who is not going to be playing in Columbus because this injury list is a little extensive. Goalkeeper Eloy Room is out. Center back Milos Degenic, he's out. Center back Josh Williams could be close, but I think he's out. Defender Will Sands out for the year. Are you noticing a trend so far? Right back, right wing, I'm sorry, Luis Diaz, probably still out. Midfielder Kevin Molino, probably the closest to coming back. Defender Philip Quinton, 
He played 90 minutes against Cincinnati, but he also seems to be the fans' favorite ragdoll, so maybe they prefer him to stay injured. I don't know. In general, they have a decent number of injuries, and a lot of them are on their back line. Their back line is pretty thin right now. Currently, they're eighth in the MLS Eastern Conference table out of 15. Um, when they played this past Saturday, they did not they did not make a single sub until the 87th minute. And they only used three of their subs, all on the left side, which I thought was very interesting. Columbus might be a little bit gassed coming here. Um, I don't know who's going to start it next. Their goalie the entire season is this 22-year-old young kid out of St. Louis University, St. Louis FC, named Patrick Schulte. But I've been reading the massive report this week, Columbus's like fan reporter people. Um, and they called it the worst game he's played in a crew uniform. He gave up a fresh holler when playing it out the back goes wrong to give Cincinnati their third goal to win the game with about 10 or 15 minutes left. It was pretty bad. Um, alternatively, they could turn to Evan Bush, who's 37 years old, and playing in MLS for over a decade. Everyone should know that name. Not related to newest goalkeeping coach John Bush but I'm, but he's been in MLS for over 10 years mostly with Montreal he played in both of their open cup games so far especially after Schulte looking pretty sketchy against Cincinnati maybe they stick the veteran in there um comes the best player they're probably gonna say his name on the broadcast all night it's it's Lucas Zellerian um I think he scored against Cincinnati um He's fresh off of an injury, but he's played the last two games. Contain him. There's a lot. There's a lot of other players that maybe somebody can help me out. Columbus has the highest scoring offense, I think, in all of MLS. Their defense is shaky, but I don't think anybody's put up as many as 25 goals as them so far. So you know, it kind of will be. Uh, there's a good chance this is not a one nothing grind fest like it was in New England. It could be kind of back and forth the hair sitting on the back of your neck five goals going on in this game so you're saying say, bet on goals i think betting on goals would be wise here yeah uh did you have to look how much turnover if any or you know roster rotation they had when they played loudon not that it's a guarantee to be the same but i mean how how competitive of a squad they put out i mean competitive enough to put five past loudon but yeah, well, keep keep in mind that um, you know Loudon kind of rolled over for Columbus that day. They got a red card. Yeah, the they, first they were down to ten man pretty quickly. So I think they they might have had the the um, the reinforcements on the bench ready to go and didn't need to put them out there. Um, I have to, I have to take a look. Maybe at, at somebody buy time or something. I can try to compare the two lineups, but. I, I wouldn't put too much emphasis on that. More so the fact that whoever did play this past weekend played the whole 90 minutes. Yeah, that's that's pretty massive. Absolutely so. Vesti, you're looking at the uh, at the old wagering numbers on this game. You were sending me texts a couple hours ago. What what are you thinking based on that? Uh, I'm going to agree with this is probably going to be a high-scoring game, or at least to the over. Um I think the over is actually kind of low. Uh, I don't remember what it was off the top of my head. So I am, I bank on that. Not uh, don't keep clean sheet wagers, things along those lines. Um, I do. Uh, I I can actually help a little bit with the the roster turnover. I did a little bit of looking at that earlier as well. Oh, that's um, excellent. So the their first game against Indy, they actually fielded a pretty good lineup of a lot of their first team guys. Um, the Loudon game, they rotated in uh, more of the, the, the lower end of the bench and then some of the guys that have been in like next pro uh, doing some work. It is a little hard to tell like, like for instance, Nagami started against Indy, but he didn't play at all against Loudon because they were up and running away with it. They, they seemed like they had to, they subbed in a lot of the young guys um, just to give them minutes. 
sorry, I feel like it skews it a bit, but it, it was a decent amount of rotation. Um, one, two, like out of like they had somewhere around like 21 guys, 22 guys see minutes in both of those games, and only nine of them played in both games. So, you know, quite a bit. Um, also, something uh, is interesting. I don't know how much is going to affect uh, who is available for Columbus. I was looking at the next pro team, like what their schedule is and things like that. None of the next, none of the guys that are signed for next pro have played in the Open Cup for the first team. I don't know if that's some roster thing or, or what, like a rule or something. There are a handful of guys on the first team roster that are regulars in the next pro. And the next pro team has a game the next day in New England. So I would imagine those guys who have made open appearances will not be available because they got to head up to New England. I don't think next pro goes you know, the day of. Uh, so that knocks off like for for the guys that you know would potentially see minutes. Yeah. So I mean, I, what I'm hearing between between all this here between the lack of two team involvement, but then basically they're starting eleven going damn near ninety on Saturday night is good guess on what they throw out there. I mean, is is anyone else feeling confident enough? To, confident enough to throw some names out there or we're basically putting names in hat and, and see what they see what they do. The other part of it, is there a team that's playoff bubble right now? I mean early days in, in the season obviously, but I mean they, they also have to have an eye on, on their league position in, ter- in terms of, of what their uh, focus has to be on. So uh, I mean I'm I'm not confident on saying any names or anything like that. I think it could be pretty wide open. I would not be surprised if you saw the same defenders that started the, um, the game in Cincinnati. As Yak mentioned, like they're really short on injuries. And I, I looked at like the last four games or so that they played, including the, or in addition to the Open Cup games. And their defenders are basically playing every game because I guess there's just nobody to really switch them out with. So those guys have to be, or at least we can hope that they're going to have some tired legs. Heavy legs. Yeah. Enjoy riding a bus to Pittsburgh from Columbus to help out as as well. Uh, Off the field, a couple of interesting thoughts about this game or a couple of interesting uh, insights. Uh, Ariana, you might have a little, little scoop to share about, uh, about one of the, the long-standing wishes of the Steel Army coming true, potentially on, on Wednesday night? I do. Uh, breaking news. There will be a pisser adjacent to Under the Stands. Um, it's something that a lot of people have asked for. It won't be Under the Stands. I know that that's what we're striving for. But um, after raising concern for the fact that there's going to be 6,000 people there and the bathrooms can barely accommodate four or five we've heard the discussions before <laughs> um they kind of realize that and so they will be renting some some porta potties uh in the parking lot behind our stands um i don't know how many i think there were a couple of numbers thrown around so i didn't really get a final number but i do know it's more than one <laughs> it's probably more than four um and if y'all treat these bathrooms nice and don't mess them up. There could be a, a permanent pisser under this section in the near future. So be good on your bestest of behaviors. I have never uh, been so happy to go have- use a porta potty that I am. I mean, even if I don't have to go, I just like <laughs> feel like I have to go in it just to take the like the victory lap. Yeah. There were people. Uh, we, there was discussions for uh, victory selfies. Um, oh my god! With, with the with the uh, the pisser, so uh, keep an eye out for that. <laughs> I mean, it's it's it feels like such a big success. Um, it's a damn it shame Storino's not on this day. podcast yeah. tonight. Like th- this I, is his baby. I agree. Yeah, we're gonna at Storino right here. Hashtag ad. Um, yeah, it's it's for the the victory selfies for Storino. He, uh, I think he's the first one who brought it up. Either him or you, Yo. So. 
Um, no, and I think this we is, this is definitely Storino's made the shitty Photoshop that one time and it all went from there. This is his baby. <laughs> um, yeah, we have to name it though. I mean, we, we have the tailgate zone trademark. Um, we have to name it cause it'll be just outside the gates, uh, back behind our section. So, I mean, I kind of like pissers I mean, adjacent to under our section. Yeah. It's pretty good. <laughs> so I am that is probably the most exciting news I heard um after talking with some some front office staff members this weekend. I'm so glad they actually listened to our suggestion. Does anyone want to throw out some 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 thoughts or hot takes on new Porta John's kind of near our section? So glad it's important enough to make it on the podcast. I mean, this has only been. <laughs> this is what the pod is really all is about. Is this really? I this is like it. two years in the making here. We've asked for nothing harder. Like this is what we've always wanted. In some crazy way, uh, Danny Griffin signing with Birmingham brought us pissers under our section, in like the butterfly effect way. He leaves. He comes back. Ow, he's fresh ow. for an open cup game. He scores against New England. Uh, wow. Devin Curd picks the right ball out of the 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 thing on the the stream, and now we have a home game against Columbus, and then we get a Pistons under our section. Yep, yep, I can see that. It's Danny Griffin's. There's a direct sponsored. line from all this. <laughs> Pistons under our like, section. <laughs> I mean, it makes no sense. Was like somehow money balling where they threw in a pisser with Danny, as far as the transaction. Yeah. <laughs> uh, absolutely why not and he said we we got to take care of my squad i mean he celebrated with us on the goal that wasn't a goal that was a goal that was a goal yeah it was a goal it was, i love it uh, was a goal bob is uh-huh. in all these comments just referring to it as a goal he's not mm-hmm. as he should uh tangent did Dan- you see that Danny's- birmingham uh uh not birmingham uh, huntsville team they like sold out for their first game home game Oh, yeah, Danny may have missed them. missed a missed a party or something like that down in Huntsville. Well, now he's aware. back to the real party. Damn right. Uh, how's it doing a whiteout for this game, or they're attempting one? Uh, I I have. I mean, we I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna long. Yeah, we asked for it. I'm not sure who. Does anyone have an idea who asked for that? At them no, on Twitter, please. Twitter. Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, I have my doubts how successful this will be, but this whiteout comes along with a, a new third kit. Uh, Vesta, you're the designer uh, on this group. What are your, your takeaways on a third kit, this third kit? And uh, do you have any, any white, or white wave, to use the right phrase, uh, thoughts? Uh, very houndsy is what I thought about this the white wave. But the, the <laughs> kit itself, I mean, it looks all right. The... Um, the problem with white kits with yellow details is you can't see the details in pictures. But um, it didn't help that the video and the pictures were in the darkest room they could find. <laughs> right? Like, am I am I am I missing this? Like, yeah, because then you got to expose it better for, and then you lose that. Yeah, any more detail. Quick, <laughs> Peter, in charge of videography. <laughs> So I, mean, I might, I, yeah, I might have made the comment in a group chat regarding them that it kind of reminds me of the armpits on my white undershirts. After a while, it's just it's a weird. It feels stainish rather than like the detail that I feel like they're trying to call it out to be. I wasn't overly impressed with. It. I'll be eager to see what they look like Wednesday. Not in a room closet promo video um i don't i don't know i feel like it's just uh maybe not i feel like we've had really solid third kits the last couple of years i feel like this is kind of not up to the same caliber as the others is it weird we and i know that, that we do i mean pittsburgh's not doing anything too flashy but is it weird for the third kit to be the the blandest of the three because i feel like the third kits where you're supposed to get a little crazy yeah, we've we've had a decent history of some unique designs the last couple of years. I'm a little, you know, meh about this. I mean, for all the you, like uh, the, the mid season reveal and build up, I I don't know. It seemed very 
I mean, it's Adidas, so I mean, it feels a little MLS away kit template T. Do you well, think Kenny? They, do you think Kenny lost his login to the My Adidas site, and they just went with this? <laughs> I assume that someone sets up the computer for Kenny when he goes to do that. Like he's not doesn't have to actually remember the password. Someone logs in for him and just leaves the computer up for him to to do his thing. King shit. Right? It, it sounds like word in the street was uh, they wanted to launch this a while ago, but with Adidas supply chain issues, that's affecting other teams too. They they haven't been able to. So like I don't begrudge them for wanting to do it for a special occasion like the Open Cup, but it it just seems weird uh, to have this big game and not wear like you mentioned on Discord US, not wear like your your signature look. Yeah, I know. I agree. I it's weird to like. I'm all for doing a a color T-shirt out of some sort, but to choose white, which isn't really like one of our staple colors. I mean, white goes in everything. You know, is is basically in every kit. But you know, black and gold were sitting right there in front of you. Play, playing another game that wears black wear, and gold, so to establish your well, yeah, color make, dominance. They, yeah, <laughs> they they. Have an, they have a kit that's white, I'm sure. So well, yeah, they're an MLS know, force team. Force them to wear those. Yeah, force them to wear their ugly ass white kits, and then we can wear our traditional black and gold and just dominate as we should. Um, it also feels weird that it's like let's drop this kit on you a couple of days before. Um, so it's I I don't know if people are going to be able to get it in time to wear it. Can you order and it off the website right now? Because I thought I saw people complain that they they couldn't order one, which would be very uh, houndsy. Well, then that makes sense. Yeah. All right, but let me th- you let me... won't catch me. Go ahead. Oh no, go! I know where you're taking this to go with it. I I said you won't catch me in white mainly because I will be rocking my jersey. Uh, it is good luck. Um, knock on wood. Um. We've been playing pretty decent with it, pretty good with me wearing it, so I, I will not be in white. Sorry, folks. Which leads me to the next question. Uh, how many, What percentage of the crowd will be wearing white in this game? Uh, let's start, Seth. What's your percentage? 69%. Nice. nice. Yes. 17. Ariana. <laughs> oh, uh, 45 I'll go 40, yeah, like 40%. Vesti, what are you thinking? I'm going to go 25, make it easier to remember. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, prob- probably lower is probably the, the right get. I just, I don't, I just, if, if, they're trying to put the word out through social media. Um, what percentage of their audience is looking at, at their social media? I was gonna say they they've only announced it on Twitter and I just checked Facebook, but their email game's been kind of bad this year, so I'm probably gonna email a day of. It's like, oh hey, wait, white time. This normally when you do this, don't don't you hand out like the the appropriate colored shirts at the at the gate? Yeah, I was about to say, yeah, like if if they want to truly be a total whiteout, they gotta give them away. I guess what they did against DC United, they it was a gold out. They brought a yellow shirt from somebody yeah somebody sponsored it so i mean for as big as this game is you should be able to get someone to sponsor six thousand t-shirts maybe they are i mean could be t- may surprise two coming. days out yeah there could no. be they could start handing out a shirt getting to the gates has been enough of a hassle the last couple of weeks don't make it harder <laughs> and no it's it's not the hounds making it hard into the gates it's the security would as you like, I, would like to expand on that? Uh, the security is having troubles uh, opening gates. Um, there's like supposed to be three security entrances on the tailgate side of the the stadium, and they only ever have like two open. And on the Sheridan side of the, the stadium, they only have like one open when they're supposed to have two or something like that. Um there is talks, I guess this is also breaking news, that uh, there will be additional gates open 
for the Open Cup game to try to accommodate the six thousand. Like I'm that, thinking, those little, the, like the Riverside game. The Riverside. Yeah. The old Steel Army Where exclusive entrance. In, I mean, we can call. We're gonna call it that. There was the one but year we were doing the, said, the marches. They were they were putting us through that gate. It was kind of weird. Or or maybe the, walk um, through the pisser. <laughs> I just say they, they they said the tailgate zone is gonna be considered in in stadium, so you're gonna have to scan your ticket to get in. That's mm-hmm. I guess that counts as a gate. Yeah, that's yeah, how they're gonna so get I people through that, the the riverside then. Yeah. And maybe they put one by the pisser. I mean, why not? Come in with the bathrooms. All right. I went in on the, the Sheridan side, and there was only one. And since I was kind of walking around with my kid and could actually hear what the crowd was talking, a lot of people complaining about the bag policy still. So I don't know if uh, security is being real hard, hard-ass about that, and that's also slowing it oh, down. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But the, here's, <laughs> the thing, here's the thing with the bag thing. That's been the policy at pretty much any sporting event for the, how many years now? Yeah, ours is one of the lax ones in, in the city of Pittsburgh. We were, Yos and I, we were just talking about this at the game. Um, you can bring in more stuff for Hounds than you can, like, a Steelers game. So, like, the complaints just don't make sense to me. I mean, unless unless you're, you've not been to any sporting events or a concert or anything like that in the last handful of years, I just don't see how that's, like, the shocking thing. Mm. Mm. All right. I so- would say, though... Go on. Keep an eye on your email. Um, I did. I mean, we were just talking about email communication being lax, but the hounds do send out a, an email either the night before or the day of that says like, um, I'm trying to find it in my email real quick, but it's like before, no, before you go, that's it. Game day guide. So it does tell you, it goes into my like promotions email, which is why I never see it until after the fact, but it it has information about like the tailgate zone, when the gates will be open, when kickoff is, the the bag policy, uh, the food situation. So it does at least help you prep a little bit getting into the into the stadium. So keep an eye. I suggest keeping an eye on that. Read your emails, people. All right, what yeah. time is everyone getting there for this uh, this insanity on on Wednesday? Uh, let's go further distance out. Seth, what time are you getting there? I will not be there. Oh, <laughs> keep staring at that front when, lawn, buddy. Wednesday was the worst <laughs> was the worst possible outcome for me as far as this went. I was all in on Tuesday. Uh, it's my wife's birthday. Happy early birthday, Lashandra. Oh, and uh, I feel bad and, for giving you shit for it. No, it's okay. No, she also has to go to a work event that day. My original plan was to work from town that day and then head over after. She has to go to an event, so I am responsible for child and dog daycare drop-off in the morning. And uh, so we're going to probably grill up some steaks and have a real nice dinner. And then uh, I'll have to – I will uh, take myself to the porch so that way I'm not making any noises that awaken the child whenever it's bedtime. When the hounds score to take the lead in the 80th minute, you're just going to be losing your shit. Izzy will have no chance. Yeah, I'm going to light shit on fire at that point. Yeah. <laughs> Ariana, what time are you getting there? Uh, unfortunately, it'll be a little bit later than I would have liked. Uh, probably 5 o'clock-ish. That'll teach uh, you to get a job. has a new job. Yeah, what the hell. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, I unfortunately could not get my um, eighth day at my new job off, so... Um, I will be coming in a little late. I'm going to see if I can work through lunch and, you know, get out a little bit earlier than I, you know, expected to. So we'll see how that goes. Vesti, what are you looking at? Probably five. All right. For me. Five as well. I got a buddy I'm uh, bringing and I got to, you know, wait for him to get off work, come over, meet up and get down there. So... Five o'clock, and I guess I'm parking in the garage. Uh, yeah, that point. I mean, it's, if this West lot is is as sold out as our claim, it's gonna be this. Yeah, it's gonna be. The parking situation might be pandemonium, and I I, I wish I had a better explanation, but it sounds like it's just gonna be craziness. Mm. Yak, what time are you getting there? One ish. My man. I get off work at two. I'm trying to decide if I want to go straight down or if I want to. 
swing back and, and change at the house and all that kind of stuff before going down or if I'm just going to change at work or who knows. So you will be, it will be too excited. Just, just changing the car. Just, just get to the game. Possibly. So, I mean, three is probably the absolute latest, but probably before that. All right. Sickos. I know. Um, it's, it's speaking of sickos, we're looking to go to Loudon on a holiday weekend. Uh, we finally got a ticket link. It has been published on the Riverhound Supporters Facebook group. It's in the Discord. I think there's going to be a dispatch coming out any moment or maybe by the time you, you listen to this with it. Uh, I know there's an issue with the, the link that might begin fixed, right, Ariana? Yeah, it should be fixed uh, shortly. Um, if not, we'll always just republish a new link um, in all the places that Yost just talked about. So. So yeah, uh, get your ass to, to Loudon. Which I was just thinking that if, if people go to Loudon, you're looking at a three-game series here at home, then Loudon, then back home for uh, a game. The rest of the summer. Yeah. So you're looking at a f- yeah, five games is... straight, which is pretty intense. Start of a uh, summer of soccer. Yeah. I, as as this is approaching, I'm starting to think this this like intense um, collection of games in two months might be, it might really, it might test even the, the most of the sickos here for, for real. But I guess we'll, <laughs> we'll find out the winning will help uh, yes. guys. That's uh that's, that's everything I got. Anyone have any, any words of wisdom to throw out there before we, we move on here? Uh, I told all my friends would highly, highly, highly recommend not driving if you can. And if you're planning on getting there after six, definitely don't drive. Anyone who shows up in the car after probably five forty-five, six is just is not getting in the stadium on time. No, they might not even be parked in time. Who knows? So yes, uh, try to find public transportation or get your ass down there early because it's gonna be it's gonna be crazy. I don't even, who knows what time we do. Thunderstruck is gonna be early. It's just go with the flow, cause yeah, it's it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a weird one, but uh, yep. maybe it ends the with a storm in the field. A, the only saving grace is a weekday at Station Square it might not be too bad. I think there was prom last weekend, which really made. Oh, I saw uh, people in uh, in suits and dresses and stuff. Yeah, yeah. When they win this game, are we we're all storming the field, right? I'm storming the field. What'd you, what'd you say, Yak? I'm storming something. That's why we're storming home run Harry's. <laughs> victory victory drinks in the parking lot. Uh, the victory selfie is going to be absurd. Yeah, I did I did re-up my alcohol collection, so... Um, Bless. There should be uh, more shots. Putting shots prepared. Beautiful. Yeah. All right, let's uh, let's get this bad boy out here. We'd like to thank the beautiful game network for providing the online home hosting of Houndsy. Check out the wealth of soccer content being produced weekly at bgn.fm. The Houndsy theme music was composed and performed by Rocketman and the Space Babies. Check them out at facebook.com slash spacebabiespgh. The show is produced by Joe Madrak. Email the show at pghstuarmy at gmail.com. Put podcasts in the subject line. All complaints about the show can be sent to nick.noble at mail.wvu. Edu. On behalf of Ariana, Yak, Seth, Vesti, I'm Dan Yost. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back again soon.